There was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim, of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkina. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophani and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkinah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. And so it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of the great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkinah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Happy Mother's Day, Heart of the City Church. Like the video said, my name is Amber, and I'm the Executive Administrator here at Heart of the City Church. I wanted to first thank J.O. and Radine for the opportunity um, to be able to speak to you on Mother's Day. It is my great honor 
um, to be able to share the word um, that the Lord, I believe, has shared with me. Um, I would not be here today without my husband of 22 years. I know, right? You can give him a hand. I know. He's been married to me for 22 years. I mean, come on. Any of you that know me know that's a challenge. Um, You can laugh. It's okay. Um, Sitting next to him um, are my children, Uh, my blessings from the Lord, my joy, my daughter, Avery, and my son, with who I am well-pleased, Baden. Uh, this is my family, and these are my blessings. So we, um, can you guys, actually, let's give this um, drama team brought a vision to, that I had seen to life. Oh, my goodness. I know. Incredibly beautiful to see the word of God acted out. I just, I just believe it's going to plant a seed in your heart. Um, for something that then the word is going to water, and I believe that God is going to provide an increase. So let's jump into the word. Um, so we're first going to talk a little bit about who Hannah was. And you just got to see a, bit, a beautiful portrayal of who she was. Um, but I just thought, you know, if we're going to talk about her and we're going to learn about her because she's got something to say, even this many years later, then I really want to know who she was or she, who she was. So Hannah was a Levite woman. And for those of you who know that the tribe of Levi was given as to the Israelites. So let me start over. Okay. So the tribe of Israel, that when Israel came into the promised land, that she was a Levite. So God was her inheritance. And because God was her inheritance, she knew because I believe her family showed, like, reminded her. Remember Moses? He came out. He came out of Egypt. He was led through the promised land. And after he was led out of out of the desert into the promised land. Now this is your inheritance. His name is God. And with God, we know that he meets us right where we are at. Peninnah was a sister wife. Um, most scholars believe that Hannah was Elkanah's first wife. And they believe that because in that culture, there were women um, that the women had a very multiple wives. Um, in most families. And from those families, the women, can I just have a pause for a minute? Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know what I have to say? Okay. Do you know what I have to say about um, speaking um, on a weekend gathering is that I feel the weight of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. So, um, and there is something that happens when the spirit wants to speak about something um, that I just have to get out of my head and off of my notes. So that's the place we're going to go because I really feel strongly, you guys, I really feel strongly that there's a word. And so I'm going to actually just fast forward if that's okay with you, because I feel like I'm getting caught up in my head and not being led. And God has a word this morning. So here we go. I'm going to be faithful. Okay. So let's jump into the word. Um, first Samuel 1:10 says she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, 
but he will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. You see, Hannah came from a place where her life and her identity was all about bearing children and then taking care of children. And the Lord had closed her womb because he was after teaching her an identity that was not in what she could do or what she could bear, but who she was. And because she learned that she was a friend of God, it was in that place that she realized that she had a vision and a purpose that was much larger than just what society told her that she was. And you know what? Today, in today's world, our children and even us are still in that same position. The enemy has no new tricks. He's still coming back, coming after our identity like he did in the garden. The snake came and he said to Eve, he said, come. Let me just share with you, whisper a few things that might get you to question the God that you love. And what happened was this, is that when you entertain confusion, guess what happens? Your theology, what you know about God, gets thrown out the window. And so when we start to entertain confusion, because our God is not a God of confusion, our God is a God who gives us a sound mind. And that's what we believe. We believe that God has given us a sound mind. And any place that we entertain confusion is a place that we need to revisit our theology. Oh, we need to look at the word. And if our theology doesn't align with the word, we need to put it aside. And what I see first here in verse 10 is that she vowed a vow. And that vow that she made, Hannah was a Levite. She knew about the house of God. We know that she went to the temple a few times a year. But I have this picture of what it looked like in the place that Hannah lived. And I saw two dwelling places, one that was very quiet and one that was full of life and energy. And there was this dwelling place that was quiet because Hannah learned how to dwell with the Lord. She was a friend of God. She understood what it meant to be in community. And so my number one strategy uh, for raising up kids in this generation is keep your kids in community. This com- a healthy local church will speak the same language as you. They will encourage you. They will walk with you. Micaiah mentioned last night, small group. If you're not in a small group, you need to be in a small group because those are the people who are going to do life with you. They are gonna, you're going to trust them to tell them what is happening with your kids. And when that happens, you're going to find a freedom. You're going to find you're not alone. You're going to find that there are people who will walk with you in every step of raising up your kids. Raising up middle school and high school kids is not for the faint of heart. Let me tell you that. Uh, It is not for the faint of heart. Yeah, right? Especially in this world. And when the enemy comes against their identity, we have to know the place that we stand. We have to know that we stand a place of authority as their parents. And because we vow a vow to keep our kids in healthy community, guess what happens? They get to learn what it is to live in community. Community is so important. I don't know what I personally would do without the community that's here. They speak to my kids the same language that I speak to them. When their ears are closed to me, and I will tell you this, 
there will come a time when your kids cannot hear you, um, that your actions speak a whole lot louder than your words. And even those, they're like, I'm not sure I really want to be close to you. Can you pretend you don't know me? Um, And that's okay, because I have such a vision for who they are that I am okay standing in the place with the people I trust around them to lead them and guide them in the seasons that they can't hear me. They, too, will help them point to the identity of who they need to lean into. And their identity is in Jesus. My second strategy comes from 1 Samuel 1.12. And she continued praying before the Lord. Eli observed her mouth, and Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. See, there's a difference in praying to God and praying before God. And when we pray before God, we intercede on behalf of what the Father's heart is. And who, I mean, who would agree with me in this, that if I am not interceding on behalf of my children every day, getting new manna for what the Lord has for my children that I'm not doing my job as a parent. My kids, there are moments in their lives that they cannot hear from heaven. And so it's our job as parents to intercede on their behalf, hear what heaven is saying, and prophesy it over their lives. Identity is the number one thing that the enemy comes after. And if our kids don't have a vision for what the Lord is saying over their lives and who they are planned and purposed to be, then they are going to look for anything else to fill that hole. So we intercede. We become friends of God. And as we become friends of God, then God speaks to us on behalf of our children and then we can turn and we can pray and prophesy over them. Um, so my kids will laugh at this, but I thought I would share this. Um, so I take every opportunity to pray over my kids. Uh-huh. And um, it's you. <laughs> I know, they're smiling. Um, and so sometimes that's a little awkward, um, but I don't care about being awkward. I just care about being faithful, right? Can I get an amen? Um, and so there's something funny about when I choose to pray and how I choose to pray. And so um, and I really try not to be awkward. Like, I, I want to just be spirit-filled, right? Um, so I, I choose to pray for them all the time, you know, in the car, um, you know, when they're leaving the house, when they're going with their friends, when they are, I mean, fill in the blank, and I am there. I'll whisper over to them, you know, in worship. So I just really, you know, I want to encourage you in this. You know, when they're coming from school, I just want to, I whisper in their ears. And so they always know how I feel about them. It's why I address them as how God sees them in the future. There are a lot of attitudes. There are a lot of emotions that come with middle schoolers and high schoolers. But I choose to stand in the authority that God has given me as their parents to speak life into them and to who they are going to be. Yes. We are called to we are called to discipline we are called to correct we are called to train but we are also called to speak into them who they will be 
Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans and purposes that I have for you. But you know those plans and purposes? We know them better than anybody else. From their first breath, they breathed in the yah and they breathed out the way. They were already speaking his name. Their spirits declare who their creator is. But sometimes they can't see it for themselves. So I speak to the spirit, not to the person, and I declare who they're going to be. And when they can't hear it, and I ask the people around them to speak to them, or I write it down, and I give it to them to read over and over and over again. Don't we know how easy it is to lose our way? How there are so many distractions in this life that take us from our inheritance. And there's nothing more that the enemy wants to do than to steal our inheritance from us. But we have the ability as parents to stand in the gap for our kids. My third strategy starts in verse 13. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put away from you. I'm sorry, put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, go in peace, (laughs) and the God of Israel grant your petition. My third strategy is give your children back to the Lord. Baden was five years old, and he gave me permission to share this, knowing he was here, and he's a high schooler, Um, that... He was five years old when I remember for the first time, and I'm sure it happened before. I just can't read. This is just the defining moment for me. um, That I remember being face down on the carpet, tears streaming down my face, wetting the carpet around me. And I was calling out to the Lord, like, I don't know what to do with him. I don't know how to raise him. Please help me. I know you're a better parent than I am. I'm not a good parent. I just, I do, I do everything that I can just to hear his voice in that moment. And in the quiet, he spoke. Don't break his will. And it was then that I realized that everything that I had been doing up to that point was controlling him and trying to break a strong will. And don't we know that our kids have been born in this time because they need a strong will? They are properly prepared for what it is that God is doing in the earth. And unless we prepare them and allow them and cultivate their strong will, that God is not going to be able to use them in the fulfillment of the plans and purposes that he has for him. And in that moment, I submitted I said, okay, Lord, if I can't break it, then show me how to use it. And it was then that I started into this process of giving my children back to the Lord. 
And I realized it was an active process, because there were days. There were days. I'm like, Lord, really? Okay, we're doing this again. I give him back to you. Like, give me a vision for him that is greater, and for them, that is greater than the one that I can see for myself, because right now, um, all I can see is through my brokenness, and my brokenness is not pretty, which is making my response to him even worse. And don't we know that God refines our kids in the way that we need to be refined? He's always working this thing. You know, whatever God is doing in them, there's a, there's a thread that's pulling through us. And I'm constantly reminded that we come back to the place that when we give our kids back to the Lord, he, like he did for Hannah, takes away our great anxiety and vexations and he sends us off with peace and a sound mind. And what I really felt like this morning, uh, my beautiful friend Chantel um, absolutely called this out, and um, I, I felt like God gave me these three specific strategies because I'm a friend of God. I intercede on behalf of my children, and then I'm still, and I listen to hear what he has to say. But my family is not like your family. And yes, these are like yes, these are beautiful strategies, but I really felt like the Lord was asking you, are you a friend of God? And if you are a friend of God, do you intercede on behalf of your children? And if you intercede on behalf of your children, are you asking him? for daily manna to be able to impart to them what God has for you. Because we're supposed to be Jesus to our kids. Oh, you know, I mean, that's a heavy weight. We're supposed to be Jesus to our kids. How are they going to know? How are they going to know? They're going to know by seeing Jesus in us. And so if we don't act like him, we don't talk like him, and we don't walk like him, how are we going to be any different than what, what other things they see? And so I believe today that God wants to break off some generational curses, some things that we have come to believe about ourselves from past hurts and traumas that are not truth, that do not speak to who God created you to be. And it's from that place of healing that we step into a deeper understanding of the love that Jesus has for us. When we consider the cross, when we consider the cross, I don't think I fully understood what the cross meant until I had children. I didn't understand what it was to love something outside of myself so deeply that I would give my life for it. And it was in that place that I realized his great love for me. Will you stand with me? I'm going to ask the altar team to come forward. Will you close your eyes with me and hold out your hands? in humble submission before him. Hmm. 
So in your right hand is distraction. And right now, Jesus, I ask that you come and that you show your people all of the things that have caused them to be distracted from the plans and purposes that you have over their lives. So those things would be like anxiety, depression, promises that haven't come, people and spaces and places you never should have been, All of those things that are distractions, I want you to give to Jesus. We give it to him, and he nails it to his cross. And in your left hand, he exchanges all of those distractions for what he places in your left hand, which is a sound mind. So I just want to pray over you as we close. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may his favor shine upon you and call you blessed. May the peace of God that passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds as he does this work in you and through you so that you can go and speak life to your children and point them to their inheritance. And may it be so. In Jesus' precious name, amen.